Welcome, everyone, to the Inquisitive Introvert Podcast. I'm here with Kevin Sofren. Kevin is a very busy guy, but he and I actually connected on Instagram. I had made a post about Flint, Michigan. It was the fifth anniversary, and I had previously donated water bottles, and Kevin commented and said, there's a different way of doing things. So um, we've had previous conversation about clean water and the work he's doing in, in the space. So I wanted to have him on my podcast to sort of talk about those things. So Kevin, just sort of, I guess, give us a rundown of how you got sort of invested in being a sort of a clean water advocate and activist in some of the work that you're doing. Well, Aaron, you were too kind. I must say I'm very impressed and appreciate your hustle and everything you're doing with <laughs> content creation and awareness. So thank you for everything and having me on this podcast. But yeah, to give some of your listeners and some background and I myself, I, I grew up in the Pacific Ocean. I spent my summers in Wisconsin. I went to school on a lake. And then I live in Chicago and Lake Michigan. So I've always just been around water. I um, had a passion for experiences on the water, but then also wanting to find opportunities within the water sector. And I've been working within the water technology space now for over eight years, providing different water technology solutions to first responders, military, and humanitarian markets. And I think one of the biggest things I realized quickly was that those often, I guess you could say humanitarian or developing or underprivileged markets or areas often can't afford the solutions that they need to be able to benefit from having safe water. So that's where I thought, hey, how could we try and raise funds to support the implementation of these water technologies? I hosted some charity golf tournaments in 2015 and 16 to help raise funds to implement various water treatment solutions. The first ones I did were solar wind-powered water enterprise systems in Africa. And then then from that, I kind of learned that there's water solutions. The water solutions needed for around the world are very different. There's no shortage of water technology. So that's when I used some of my water technology background to look, hey, how could we apply the right water technology for the specific grassroots water needs? And and I can allude more to that later, but I eventually did start my own charity uh, around about a year and a half ago called Responsible. And with that, you know, we look to raise funds and awareness to implement grassroots water projects. Um, and that's what kind of eventually led me to Flint, Michigan, because I thought, hey, I'm in Chicago and I'm not very far from that. And I think like many of people, we saw the news and we're like, WTF, this is not okay. and I know that there's off-the-shelf grassroots technology that can provide safe water at every household in Flint. So why is that not being implemented? I don't really know. I can't tell you exactly you know, how. I know how why the problem is, but I'm not going to sit here and point fingers at who's wrong. But the fact of the matter is people don't have clean water. So I think in Flint, there's a lot of thoughts on, hey, let's just throw a bottle of water at it and feel good about helping. But I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever taken a shower with bottled water or tried cooking with bottled water. Uh, it sucks. So that's where I wanted to continue to take that grassroots approach and look at how could we implement point of entry lead removal water systems. And that's kind of been my newest mission with my life and other partners I'm working with on how can we take proven off-the-shelf technology that's affordable not a cheap Band-Aid fix that can allow houses, community centers, churches, all to have safe drinking water at the point of entry within their household. 
I've kind of been rambling here, and I could keep going. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll stop there for now. No, 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 no. It's totally fine, Kevin. And and I wonder why I'm really curious about your opinion on this. You know, we've seen these sort of water issues, whether it be in Flint or Newark or in Africa. Why do you think water is treated with such carelessness in some of these places? And I know that there's maybe an emerging market in terms of water solutions, but why do you think this is an issue in the first place? A range of reasons. I think one to just allude to the Mark Twain phrase where whiskey is for drinking, water is for fighting over, or the whole, you don't appreciate the worth of water until the well is dry. It's very true. You don't really realize that water is the core input of every single thing that we manufacture. Water is the core input. And, you know, just think about how many times we interact with water just when we wake up in the morning. Like water is literally in every single thing from showering, cooking, cleaning, brushing our teeth, everything. But to your point of why it's sort of underappreciated, because a lot of times it's undervalued. People don't really realize that, at least in North America, that it takes a lot of money to take, extract, distribute, treat, and kind of ensure safe water at your tap. And no doubt Flint and Newark have some serious issues, but there is a a cost to operating Flint and Newark's water systems. And they were, the operators were put in some hard decisions. And they did make some very bad decisions on cutting costs, but they were also put in a bind based on water rates and maintenance costs. And so they obviously cut corners that they shouldn't have. But however, I think a lot of people, this comes back to people undervalue the actual worth of water. And it kind of ties in, is water a human right or is it an economic good? The fact of the matter is it's both. Water, I do believe, is something that each and every human in this world deserves. But the fact of the matter is, there is a cost to that, no matter way, what way you look at it. And in this world, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So we have to look at how can we fund and implement sustainable water solutions that work for that community. And I've seen sometimes a $50 water storage tank with chlorine injection that costs, you know, all in a couple hundred bucks is the best solution for that community. Or let's say what we're doing in Tanzania and Kenya, a $30,000 solar and wind-powered social enterprise system where they're bottling and selling the water and creating a micro-business and then reinvesting the profits to other social services is the best solution for that. Or in Flint, a point-of-entry household unit that costs around $2,500 installed enables the house to have cooking water, cleaning water, bathing water, drinking water forever. And I think that's, um, for me, my biggest thing I'm pushing towards is getting people away from trying to just think, oh, I'm helping someone and here's like a a little straw you can drink out of or here's a little filter you can use or here's a bottle of water. Frankly, those things dry up eventually and they have a huge environmental burden. So I think my big focus is trying to move towards more expensive but sustainable and in a sense affordable when you look at the long-term return on investment water solutions that are very much reverse engineered for the grassroots community. That's awesome. Um, and Kevin, I know we spoke a little bit about this before, but I mean, you mentioned it previous in the interview, but you grew up around water. So what is it specifically about water that, that you value so much and appreciate outside of the obvious, you know, practicality of, of drinking water to keep you alive? But like what makes you sort of gravitate towards water? For all your listeners and you, if you haven't read or heard of him, but there's a book called Blue Mind by Wallace J. Nichols, and it changed my life. 
the Navy has just kind of helped to define my life, really, in that I always knew I had a unique connection to water, besides the fact that all humans' bodies are made of water and our whole world is covered in water and the fact that we really all are water people. But me and especially, I knew I had a special connection to water, and Blue Mind really helped me understand that. Um, and the title of the book is called Blue Mind, the study about why humans are happier, healthier, more productive when they're on, in, near, on water. And if you think about that, you know, look at real estate prices by the water. They're higher. Think about when you were, a lot of times when people go on vacation, where do you go? The beach. Or think about when you want to have leisure with your friends. What do you do? You go walk by the water. Or just personally, like I think about some of the summers I'd spend in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, or Sheboygan, like Michigan. There's nothing I enjoy more than being with my family and going on a paddleboard or going kayaking or on a boat. Uh, or you think about that that sensation you have when you're fully submersed in water and you're weightless, like there's nothing like it. Or you think about the sports people, let's say the surfers, and you know, I myself surf a little bit, but there's nothing like the feeling of being on a wave and being powered by Mother Earth. Like it's just, it is a kind of out-of-body experience that I think only water can give you. And it, for me also, I think a, a mesmerizing fact of water that I love is just I forget the exact phrase, but it's like regularity without montaneity, where it's like if you watch water ripples, like it's the same thing over and over again, but it's like never the actual same thing. It's kind of like with the whole dynamic of a snowflake. Like there's never the same snowflake. It's all a unique fingerprint. And I think the only thing I, I get that with is when you just watch a fire. You know, it's just very mesmerizing and captivating. So I think just looking at the whole emotional side of it, and I guess the last major part of it that I just alluded to is the whole water is medicine. A lot of times people look to opioids or different types of drugs to get their escape, but heck, there's no better medicine than just going and doing a water activity. I mean, you see some really cool therapeutic rehab efforts that are using kayak therapy, fishing therapy, surfing therapy with people that are recovering from PTSD or people with autism. There's scientific evidence that there's like really tangible results. And to me, that's just like so exciting because it's like, hey, we don't need to spend all this money on opioids. You can just use water experiences to improve uh, various health problems. And so I think that's something that ties in with me. I use water as my own medicine, but then also looking at the other advantages that water offers from more than just like a economic or a water quality or water quantity discussion. And um, Kevin, I know you and I uh, are both fans of, of Gary Vandercheck. <laughs> I think I always mispronounce his last name. But um, I, I mentioned that <laughs> Gary V, I, I use him a lot to get motivated. I know that you mentioned earlier that you started your own nonprofit responsible. What lessons of entrepreneurship that you sort of have learned throughout the process, sort of social enterprise entrepreneurship, and how, how are you managing that between having a, a full-time job as well? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to start some type of thing on my own. And whether it was a business or charity, I wasn't quite sure. And I had been thinking about my nonprofit responsible probably since early 2014. And initially I had called it Amanzi and thinking it'd be like a social network for water. But then, and I did a business school project on it and just sort of kept evolving as I just kept talking about it more and kept writing, just doing doodles. And I formally incorporated my, I guess I informally started in the summer of 2017 and formally incorporated January of 2018. And 
I think today that's now we've raised and contributed, I guess now contributed about what's this fifty thousand dollars via kind of selling my the artisan craft bands via uh, using my the responsible brand to help leverage corporate sponsorship to then donate to Flint and, and Africa. So I think the big thing that Gary V taught me is that like just do like heck I was doodling and thinking about the stuff and I still do all that but at the same time like I just needed to start and I think listening to Gary he kind of helped kick me in the butt I think hey just just start talking to people try you know for anyone just go and try and sell anything like so as I mentioned with responsible we buy and sell artisan craft goods so I buy bands from artisans and then I sell them online and I just use sort of Instagram Facebook and just whenever I get a sale online, I'm like, oh my gosh, like someone <laughs> thought that there was enough value and there was a good story here enough to buy this. And now this has provided economic empowerment to artisans and the profits are going towards providing social empowerment to one of the different water carriers I'm working with. And heck, I sure as heck do not have all this figured out. I'm still doing a lot of fact finding and soul searching about business development and, and outreach, but listening to Gary, a big thing too, was like, just start a podcast. What you're doing is awesome because I started one and I interview people and we have great conversations. They post it on LinkedIn and that gets organic outreach. You know, same, once you produce this for me, I'm going to post this on my network and you'll get some more followers, I'm sure. And so I think just to the person out there thinking about starting, like, just start doing like you can only read so many business books you can only read (laughs) and hypothesize for so long like there's nothing wrong with trying something really hard for 12 to 24 months and failing you know my personal career like i worked on something for five years it was like my north star and i lost this big contract and like i was crushed for a day but then i was like you know what like just embrace your failure so i think if you can not and kind of i think back to gary v for one of the other kind of ethos that live by is self-awareness and empathy. Those are like two things that I kind of drive my life and my brand where I know who I am and I know what I want to do. I sometimes do things that maybe don't make complete business sense, but I'm just trying and I don't care what other people think. I just want to try and keep building a brand of purpose and, and some something that is going to be meaningful to not just myself, but others. And then empathy, uh, there's nothing more important than understanding what other people are going through and to understand how we can try and help others. And for me, just thinking of the empathy thing, that really applies to Flint. Like I grew up with, with a lot of privilege. I grew, I didn't pay for my undergrad. You know, I, I, I had to find different ways to pay for my grad school. But for the most part, like, you know, I was, I was handed a lot in my life. And I, I do live by the phrase that those that have the ability to know have the duty to act. And I feel like I have a, a reason and purpose to do this. And now tying it back to Flint with empathy that like, I was not born in Flint. I was not born on like in a low income family that struggled to eat or was fed lead water. So like I can't fully experience that. Like I have to kind of know that I'll put my best empathetic shoes on to try and understand that. But I need to be really careful when I'm working with Flint and dealing with various people that are, have been wronged for various reasons. And I've seen in Flint, there's a lot of people that have attacked each other for trying to help you help one another. And to me, my, I am looking to be of service and I'm looking to help others. But I also realize that some people may not want that. I also realize that we need to do it in a way that is by them and for them. Um, and so I think that ties into creating an, 
a water solution that allows self-empowerment and dignity that's on their terms to me is like the kind of roadmap to like actually being able to get something done as it pertains to water projects and especially when trying to get something done in Flint. Awesome. And I have two final questions for you, Kevin. I know you're busy. So my first, uh, second to last question is what's your immediate next step? You've been doing so much work and you're, you're making strides. What does the next ideal step look like for you? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I mean, I was doodling on this today on my notepad, and <laughs> I think about when I'm skateboarding or running. I, I think my biggest steps right now is two sort of models focus on two types of projects, but the business models are business to customer, charity to customer sales, and that's looking to align the responsible bands around specific campaigns and sell them to consumers on Facebook and Instagram. And I have uh, access to some free Facebook marketing dollars. So I'm looking to leverage very specific call to actions around selling artisan craft bands to raise money for Flint or to raise money for Africa or to raise money for a lake association in Wisconsin. So I have three kind of campaigns that I'm trying to build on and then just look to grow band sales to then grow proceeds that we can contribute to these charities I'm working with. Then on the flip side is the corporate engagement. And there's a lot of companies that I've realized that want to do good, but don't know how to do good. And I've now done one project where I helped a water bottle company do a water project in Africa. And it's sort of for me figuring out what's the kind of the sustainable business model for responsible look like to be able to like manage this uh, from helping businesses speak to charities, charities speak to business and see what kind of in-between services I can help with from content creation and project management and technology validation. Those are kind of all the things that I know I can do. And then I alluded to it before, but I have sort of three main projects I'm focused on. I'll start backwards in terms of kind of like least important, not they're all important, but kind of emphasis, you know, I'm supporting my lake association in Wisconsin, Keep Elkhart Blue, Elkhart Lake Improvement Association, and really leveraging the local community up there and tailoring um, the awareness and, and fundraising for that. Um, the second is the Tanzania-Kenya water projects working with H2 Open Doors. And that's just really focused exclusively on social enterprise and aligning with them and working with them closely. And then the first is my most important is Flint, uh, working with the National Clean Water Collective and Flint Palcorp on implementing sustainable point of entry lead removal water systems at churches, households, and community centers. And I was just today defining the, how does a contractor go in and, and do the evaluation? How does the contractor work with the water treatment manufacturer to install it? I also was talking with the water testing company today and kind of solidifying the water test kits that will be given quarterly to these buildings. And then they're also going to take that data and give it and present it in a online software interface. And that is critical for Flint because no one in Flint trusts the water. And now this data piece allows us to show, hey, the water you're drinking is safe. And also, and that creates a positive reinforcement that you can use the water in your house. And two, having that data allows me to show to my sponsors and to my whomever is investing in these projects that we're actually doing what we say we're doing. And we're not only kind of just talking the talk, but we're walking the walk and we can prove it. So those kind of business models and those projects are are top of mind for me. But as I said earlier, I, I sure do not have all this figured out. I am doing this on 
in the waking moments when I have time. Um, I'm hoping to eventually maybe do this full time, but I'm kind of just letting it happen naturally. And, and I see a lot of other groups doing great work in all these spaces. And, you know, it's not necessarily competition, but I, in the sense it might be, but for me, anyone trying to help others is good. So um, I'm very open to collaboration with other like-minded people, like-minded charities to try and uh, hopefully amplify and accelerate efforts to help those in regards to sustainable water solutions. And awesome. That is, you're doing so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Uh, if people want to find you, where can they reach out to you? The best will probably be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can find me at Responsible. It's W-R-I-S-T-S-P-O-N-S-I-B-L-E. Kind of a mouthful, but just think like your wrist <laughs> and just the pun on word responsible. But I'm just, whenever I hear the word responsible, I'm like, oh, they spelled it wrong or they said it wrong. <laughs> so responsible, or you can find me anywhere, kind of those same platforms on my personal pages, uh, Kevin Sofen, S-O-F-E-N. Slide into the DMs, uh, hit me up. You can also visit responsible.com. That's the same, W-R-I-S-T-S-P-O-N-S-I-B-L-E.com. And uh, just hit me up. I am always open to take a phone call like this, do a podcast like this, and share best practices um, and, and kind of to you as well. I'd love to do a podcast with you talking about your water experiences and your blue mind yes. story. Um, specifically, <laughs> I believe everyone's got a water story and that's, that's interesting to me. Um, so I'm interested to hear yours and as well as every single person listening to this podcast. Well, thank you, Kevin. I really, really appreciate it. Again, keep up all the great work and I'm sure people are going to be reaching out to you after this, after this episode and I'll certainly keep in touch. I don't even want to wish you best of luck because you're doing everything. So um, thanks again for being on my podcast. And I, I know I'm going to hear great things about you in the near future. So I appreciate it. Aaron, it's a pleasure. And the same to you. I really commend you what you're doing. Don't stop and just keep hustling. All right. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Take care. For sure. Take care. Take care.